open your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, the reason that we open our Bible around here, honestly, is because we understand what the Bible is. The Bible is not filled with good advice that is meant to be followed. The Bible is filled with good news that is meant to be believed. And we wrap our lives around these very familiar truths that we read in this very old book. As Christians, we have given the Bible the right to define what we believe and to determine how we behave. And so it's important that daily, weekly, we open it up and we find out what God has said is true about himself, true about us, and true about salvation. Now, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to this thing about Jesus, if you're new to Easter, if you're new to church, relax. You don't have to know a lot of things in order to follow Christ. You just have to know a few glorious things and then remind yourself of those glorious things every day and then give your life to them. So you don't have to know a lot, you just have to know a few glorious things that will transform you if you never forget them. Now most of us that are seated in church on Easter Sunday, um, you're not gonna hear anything new. If you showed up this morning to hear something new, you're gonna be sadly disappointed because I'm not gonna say anything new. We're gonna say some old things. And so um, these are things that we need to wrap our lives around. Things about the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. I got nothing new to add to that. You've heard about all those things. The problem for most of us is this. The problem for me, can I tell you what my main problem is as a Christian? My main problem is that by Monday, I have a case of Easter amnesia. And if you're like me, you are an Easter amnesiac too. You sang these things, you may have wept. I mean, your pulse raced as you thought about these things. We sang songs and man, it was so great. And then we get up Monday morning and we're a total mess. And so the good news is the Bible was written to Easter amnesiacs. Timothy was an Easter amnesiac, and the Apostle Paul has some things to say to this amnesiac about remembering some powerful truths. So, understand that if you forget what we have just sung about and what we're about to preach about, it's going to have drastic consequences on your life. You'll get bored with God. You'll get bored with the Bible. You'll get bored with church. You'll get bored with the Great Commission. If you forget the resurrection of Jesus Christ, You'll get distracted with the stuff of this world. You get attached to things like personal achievement and security and safety. You'll think the purpose of your life is to live as many days as you can. How boring is that? That's not the ultimate purpose of your life, but that's what happens to an Easter amnesiac. He just lives for security and safety and stuff. You'll become absorbed with things that don't matter. You'll be overcome with worry and fear and in the face of opposition, you'll either blend in or you'll fall apart or you'll run away. And those were the temptations that this young man, Timothy, was facing as the Apostle Paul 
wanted to remind him of a few things. And the worst part about Easter amnesiacs is this. They tend to compartmentalize their lives into spiritual stuff in this box over here. Things like church and Bible and prayer and grace, all those things are wonderful. But we stick that in a box over here and we get it out on Sunday and then we close the box back up. And then on Monday through Saturday, we live in this compartment over here. This is marriage and this is money and this is sex and relationships and sports and kids and all of this. That's what Easter amnesiacs do. They compartmentalize the spiritual stuff from the practical stuff. But God wants us to remember that because he lives, I can live tomorrow. If we could ever get the stuff in this box to impact the stuff in this box, it would radically transform our lives and you would never be the same. So let's read from God's word here this morning. The apostle Paul has some things to say to his friend Timothy. The Apostle Paul, let me remind you, is writing from prison. These are the last words of a man who wrote 13 books of the Bible. He had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Now, what would you do if you were put in prison for believing or preaching the gospel? Would you like start a protest? Would you like kick rocks? Would you suck your thumb? But Paul said, I know what I'm going to do with my time. I'm going to write Bible. And so he writes this letter to Timothy. It makes it out of the hole in the ground that he is in. And today we're reading it 2,000 years later because God has promised to preserve his word. And he wants to remind Timothy of five things. God wants to remind me and you, gospel amnesiac, of five things. Let's read it here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember... Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am now suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Here's the first thing that an Easter amnesiac needs to remember. Remember, Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, again, I didn't say you're going to learn anything new this morning. I'm just here to remind you of some stuff that you have already learned. Now, let me just kind of say this. If you've never heard this before, maybe it is new to you. You can't remember something until you've been introduced to it in the first place. And so maybe I am introducing to you a new concept that God became man. His name was Jesus. He lived 33 years, a completely sinless life. At the end of his lifetime, he was nailed to a cross. God the Father treated God the Son as if he had committed every sin of every person who would ever believe so that God the Father could treat every person who would ever believe as if they had never sinned. Now, if you're a regular around here at Gospel City Church, you are already finishing that sentence. Because Pastor Trent says that every Sunday. I don't have any new material. I just have to remind you of the stuff and then we have to commit our lives to those things about Jesus. God wants us to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. There is no new revelation from God. There is no new truth. 
The problem is, is if you've heard those things before, they can become so familiar that you can eventually get bored with them. And you may be searching for some new revelation. A lot of people do that. They, that's how they get involved in cults and things is they're looking for new truth. I got public service announcement for you. There is no new truth. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. And so we need to be reminded of the old truths. Do, do you remember the first time you heard these things? Can you think back that you first heard? How many, of you, how many of you raised in church? How many of you, how many, raise your hand if you, if, how many of you went to church nine months before you were born? Raise your hand. Okay, I see those hands out there, right. How many of you crawled the aisle as a three-year-old and gave your, your heart to Jesus? How many of you did that 75 times before you were 37 years old, right? And so, so a lot of us are, are introduced to these things. Did you know that the Apostle Paul, who's writing to Timothy, Timothy is the next generation after Jesus, when Paul says, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, Timothy didn't live at the same time as Jesus. Some of you may think, well, if I lived and heard Jesus preach and saw him do miracles, then it'd be a lot easier to believe. Paul didn't seem to think that was an obstacle at all. He's reminding Timothy to remember Jesus, but the only thing he knew about Jesus is what his mama told him was true about Jesus because his mama was a contemporary of Jesus. How many of you had a faithful mama that told you about Jesus, right? How many of you had a faithful grandmother that prayed you out of jail at some point or delivered you from addiction or something? And here you are at church because God answers grandma's prayers, right? And some of you are grandmas and you're praying for those little rascals and it's like, you just keep praying because that's how God got a hold of Timothy through his grandmama and his mama. And Paul, his spiritual father is saying, don't ever forget it. It's true. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. You know, the earlier you learn the gospel, the more tempted you can be to stray from it because it seems old-fashioned. You may think, you know, there's so many shiny contemporary things now and, you know, church is just kind of for grandmothers and Girl Scouts, and that just doesn't really seem like it's my scene. You don't understand the courage of this man, Paul, and his his apprentice named Timothy. Don't ever let the memories that were implanted in you early on fade. Fan into flame the things that lit the fuse to begin with. That's what this whole book is about. My job as your pastor is simply to remind you of the same thing over and over and over and over. I tell my staff all the time, we come around to Good Friday and Easter every year, and I'm just like, I say, I say the same stuff every year. And they're just like, keep saying it, keep saying it. Because we're all Easter amnesiacs. And so let me remind you of what is true. Jesus is risen from the dead. Do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? Yeah, I mean, that, come on, that's kind of unbelievable. I really, you, I, I mean, if I held a gun to your head, would you keep like, yeah, sign me up for that program? I'm like, yeah, I'm having a few doubts now, you know? Now listen, these are things that we give our lives to. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. It may surprise you that truth is not as controversial as you might think it is. Uh, Lifeway Research did a survey and they asked thousands of people, do you agree with this statement? 
the biblical accounts of the physical resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. Do you know that 66% of the people they surveyed said, yes, I agree with that statement? 20% disagreed, 14% weren't sure. Now, as a pastor, that is both hopeful and disturbing because many of those 66% that said they believed that didn't bother getting out of bed this morning to come to celebrate it. And only about 8% of the people show any signs that it makes any difference in their lives. So there is a huge gap between what people say they believe is important and how they live their lives. They're compartmentalized. And so we need to understand the hope that is available through the risen Lord. If you don't remember the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have no hope when you're standing over the grave of a loved one. You'll have no hope when the doctor calls and gives you a terminal diagnosis. If you don't remember that Jesus is risen from the dead, you will despair when you turn on the nightly news when it seems that darkness is winning. But if you can remember Jesus is risen from the dead. You can have power to overcome the darkness. You will have power to face the battle with temptation for sin. And if you can remember Jesus is risen from the dead, you will know that God can make dead things live. Some of you are in dead marriages. Some of you have a dead cold heart toward these things that used to stir you. There is resurrection power available to Easter amnesiacs if they can simply remember Jesus risen from the dead. Here's the second thing that you need to remember. You need to remember Jesus is king. Back to the text, verse eight says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Here's the second thing it says, the offspring of David. Da who's David? Where, I don't know. Do we, who's David? I don't know who David is. Now listen, if you've read your Bible, there is this very prominent figure in the Old Testament named David. He was a king. He was the greatest king of Israel, and yet he was a flawed king. And uh, he made some horrible mistakes, including murder and adultery. So I don't know what you've been up to this week, but David, I mean, he was the best king and that's the best he could do. And so God even said he was a man after God's own heart. And yet David lost his throne because David died. And there was never another king quite like David. A thousand years passed until we're reading this letter. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus is the offspring of David. Now, when you're on a web page and you see words in blue and it's underlined, what do we call that? What do we call that? A hyperlink? Did you know there's hyperlinks in the Bible? It's almost as if these words, offspring of David, are blue, underlined. You click on that link, do you know what it does? It sends you back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 where we read these words. God said to David, I will raise up your offspring. Sound familiar? I will raise up your offspring. It's a covenant promise God made to David that one of his descendants 
would come after him who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will forever establish his kingdom. Who you think that was? thousand years after God promised, he fulfilled that promise in the person of Jesus Christ. What that means is Jesus was born as a man, 100% man and 100% God. Born as a man so that he could experience all the pain and the heartache and the loneliness and the betrayal that you and I have to deal with. And so Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses and what it's like to be a man. But he's also born as God. But here's what Paul wants Timothy to remember. Because Jesus is risen... Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus didn't just come to be your personal assistant. Jesus didn't come to be your life coach. Jesus didn't come to just kind of be a sidecar ride as you journey through life. Jesus came to be King. He is the sovereign king of the universe, but Jesus wants to be king of your heart. He wants you to get off of the throne that you are currently occupying over your life as sovereign in control of you, and he wants to sit on that throne. That means that a vague, passive acknowledgement of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will not save you. If you believe Jesus is risen, you must believe Jesus has the right to be my king. If your life shows no evidence that Jesus is king, then there is a problem with what you believe about Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is risen. Jesus demands your surrender, your worship, your obedience, and your love. If you're tempted to treat Jesus with some kind of passive approval and yeah, I kind of generally believe in Jesus. I'm American, so I'm a Christian. Listen, you don't understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you're tempted to give your allegiance to other kings and to be citizens of other kingdoms, Jesus calls you back and says, remember, he's the offspring of David. That means he has the rightful place to rule and reign over every component part of your life, your marriage, your money, your sexuality, your identity, every component part of your life. Remember, Jesus is king. Here's the third thing. Remember to believe the gospel every day. That's what an Easter amnesiac needs to be reminded of. You got to remember the gospel. Look at it here in verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, offspring of David. Third thing, as preached in my gospel. Now listen, if you're new to our church, you, you need to understand something about our church. You stepped into a church that named itself after the gospel. The gospel drives everything we do around here. So we need a very clear understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. I'm amazed at the number of people that come to Gospel City Church who after coming for six months or a year, they walk up to me and have a really confused look on their face and they're like, Trent, is it possible that I have sat in church for decades and never 
heard the gospel? Because I've been listening. I'm hearing things that I have never heard that you are calling the gospel. It's possible that you have sat and you've listened to someone preach the benefits of the gospel, but you've never heard someone preach the gospel. What are the benefits of the gospel? I'm, I'm sure you've all heard them. Jesus will forgive your sin. How many of you heard that before? Heard that preached before? That's not the gospel. That's a benefit of the gospel, but that's not the gospel. Some of you may have heard, Jesus will give you a fresh start and a new beginning. Have you heard that? Heard that? That's a benefit of the gospel. Some of you have heard that Jesus will give you peace and purpose in your life. That's a benefit of the gospel. That's not the gospel. Some of you have heard that Jesus will secure a place in heaven for you after you die. That's a benefit of the gospel. That's not the gospel. So Trent, tell me what is the gospel? Thank you for asking. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with anything that benefits you. Here's the first thing you need to understand about the gospel. God is holy. He's not like you. He reigns in absolute righteousness. He embodies absolute moral perfection. The gospel begins with God. Secondly, man is sinful. God is holy. I am not. There is a gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Thirdly, Christ is Savior. This holy God loved sinful man so much that this holy God became a man to live a sinless life in his place and then die a death that man deserved in order to observe, in order to absorb the wrath of a holy God. Fourthly, repent and believe it. Any gospel that doesn't preach repentance cannot save you. Any gospel that doesn't call for a decisive, immediate response of faith and repentance is not the gospel. Any gospel that promises you you're never going to suffer and God's going to work out all of the kinks, that is not the gospel of the Bible. Preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Understand that reminding ourselves of the gospel is what keeps us coming back week after week. Do you, do you sin every week? Do you sin every day? Then you need to re-repent and re-believe the gospel every single day. You've got to preach these truths to yourself every single day. It's not something that happened in some compartment or some Sunday school class or vacation Bible school 35 years ago when you were a kid. We give ourselves to the power of the gospel. Jesus is risen. Jesus is king. Preach the gospel to yourself every single day. When you're feeling the shame of past sin, remember the gospel. Whenever you're beginning to think that God has lost his patience with you, preach the gospel to yourself every single day. When you just don't feel like you can endure one more encounter with evil in the world, 
Preach the gospel to yourself every day and get up and live sent to preach the gospel to everyone else you encounter. Fourth thing that we need to hear as gospel Easter amnesiacs is this. Remember, suffering is not optional, but misery is. You have a choice. Notice verse 9. He says, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Everyone suffers in this life, even Christians. And if some preacher told you that if you would give your life to Jesus, he would make all your problems go away, he wasn't preaching the gospel that comes from the Bible. As a matter of fact, let me guarantee you something. If you give your life fully and finally to Jesus, your life will get harder. Aren't you glad you came to church on Easter for such good news? Right. But you know what? In the preaching of the gospel to ourselves, we get up every day and we live in the power of the resurrected Lord and we have endurance to endure the suffering just like the apostle Paul. Paul's number one goal in life was not to live as many days as possible. Paul's goal was to live faithfully following Jesus until the days of his life were over. Our goal is not safety and security and comfort. Our goal is faithfulness to the Lord, knowing that on the other side of the grave, we have a promised future. So when you're sick, when you're in pain, when you're lonely, when you're forgotten, when you're forsaken, when you're diagnosed with COVID, Remember, suffering's not optional, but misery is. You get a choice how you're going to respond to those things. When you're wronged, offended, hurt, slandered, cheated against, sinned against, what should you do? Remember Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life and they crucified him. You think they're going to treat you any better? One of the followers of Jesus was named Peter. He wrote a book in the Bible, and he was remembering Jesus one day, and he said this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. So when someone offends you, someone crosses you, Someone cheats you. Someone slanders you. What should you do? You should remember, suffering is not optional. Misery is. Remember Jesus and respond as a follower of Jesus the way that Jesus did. When you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to blend in so that you don't have to suffer as much, when you're tempted to fall apart, when you're tempted to run away and hide to release the pressure and the pain, remember Jesus. Don't expect or, de or, or demand that a lost world is going to treat you better than it treated Jesus. Your allegiance to Jesus will make you an enemy of those who are in rebellion against God. And yet, it's our gracious and courageous offer of the gospel to those enemies of God that gives us purpose for getting up every day and living, remembering 
Jesus. Here's the last thing. Remember, God's word is unstoppable. We're just going through the Bible here. This is what we do. By the way, if you want to know what we're going to do next week, we do this every week. We're going to start in verse 10 because I'm finishing verse 9 today. So you come back and just, we just keep going through the Bible. At the end of verse 9 says this, but the word of God is not bound. The one who's writing these words is bound in chains. Paul understands when you call people to repent of sin, when you call them to surrender their lives and place their lives under the authority of King Jesus, it's gonna ruffle some feathers. People are not gonna like you. People are not gonna stand in applause. We're so glad you showed up at the party to tell us to repent and believe the gospel. They want to silence any calls to place themselves under the authority of the word of God. So those of us that are courageous enough to speak the word of God are going to be the targets of persecution. They're going to try to silence the word of God. Now the, the word of God cannot be silenced. Only the messengers of the word of God can be silenced. They can put you in a hole. They can put you in prison. They can marginalize you. Can they, they can stop inviting you to the party. And by the way, that's probably the worst persecution that most of us are ever going to face is they're gonna, like, not going to invite you to the party anymore. But, you know, we live in, an, in a land where, you know, we have more concerns than we used to about religious liberty and, you know, religious freedom and free speech and the things that we believe from this ancient book are now categorized as hate speech. And so are there hate crimes now that we're going to be targeted for? These are, these are things that those of us that are passionate about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the authority of God's word, we're concerned about those things. But, but I, I'm amazed at so many people that are just wringing their hands over the fact that, oh my goodness, they're going to close the church and they're just going to exterminate us as believers and we're not going to be able to believe or preach the gospel anymore. Relax. Do you know that the places in the world where there is the least religious liberty are the places in the world where the church is thriving and growing? And the places in the world with the most religious liberty are the places where Christians sleep in on Sunday morning and yawn their way through a Bible? Do you understand that we are not beholden to the First Amendment? The First Amendment doesn't give us permission to preach the gospel. We preach the gospel because it's commissioned to us, not because the world gives us permission. And so preaching the first commandment is not dependent upon the survival of the first amendment. We're going to continue to call people not to worship any other God besides Jesus, no matter the cost, because the word of God is unstoppable. And the proof of that is the fact that the man that wrote these words was in prison and was hours away from being beheaded. And today, 2,000 years, guess what we're doing? We're reading these words and we're encouraging our hearts around the fact that Jesus is risen, the offspring of David as preached by his gospel, this gospel, and we remember that suffering is not optional, misery is, and bless God, his word is unstoppable. Do you believe it? Do you believe his word? Are you gonna get the stuff out of this box into that box? Many of you know that uh, 
The last few weeks have been emotional and physically trying on me. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, my mom has lived alone in Oklahoma as a widow twice. And so really for January, February, March, I've been going back home to care for her. And just two weeks ago, she passed away. I preached her funeral and stood at the graveside as her body was lowered into the ground 13 days ago. And so the fact that I'm remembering Jesus is risen from the dead has extra meaning for me. I hope it has extra meaning for you if you're facing the death of a loved one. In all of those travels back and forth to Oklahoma, I, I remembered a lot of things from my childhood. As a matter of fact, I got reintroduced to some, some aunts and cousins that I haven't seen in 25 years and even some old friends that I haven't seen in 39 years. I, I remember the first time that I responded in repentance and faith to the gospel that you've heard preached here today. I remember the day and the hour. You don't have to know the day and the hour, but there does need to be a day and an hour when you respond in repentance and faith. For me, that happened in Lawton, Oklahoma, in a rodeo arena, Great Plains Coliseum. Of course, it was a rodeo arena in Oklahoma. It's the only kind of arenas we have there, and so uh, and football. And uh, there, there I was, and we had a citywide evangelistic crusade that came through. It was a preacher and a choir and singer, special music. I went to the last night of this crusade. Many of you have heard me tell this story. And on August 28th, 1982, at the end of that crusade meeting, the preacher gave the invitation. I was sitting way back in the corner. I made my way down to the mud floor. I came down front and I stood there. They hooked me up with a counselor and took me off. They opened the Bible, showed me Bible verses and and I prayed to receive Christ. And my life has never been the same as a 15-year-old boy. God changed the direction of my life. I got all the benefits of the gospel. New home in heaven, new start, new beginning, forgiveness of sin. I got all those benefits, but it was because I responded to the gospel that God is holy, man is sinful, Christ is Savior, repent and believe. I, many of you have heard me tell that story before. Here's a part of the story I haven't ever told you. There was somebody with me that night. His name was JC. He was a, a childhood friend. As a matter of fact, I have a picture of, of me and JC. I'm the good looking one on the right. And uh, uh, there we are. I don't know, we were probably nine, 10 years old at that point. And, and I remember that night as 15 year olds, we went to this evangelistic crusade. We, we had kind of got connected to a Sunday school class and sporadically had, had gone a little bit there. And so uh, JC and I agreed we would go to this evangelistic meeting. And then that night we would spend the night together. He was gonna spend the night at my house and we were just gonna have some fun. So things kind of got interrupted when I got saved in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, so I remember we reconnected after the meeting and we went back home and in some type of 15-year-old conversation trying to explain what had happened to me, I was kind of talking to him and what, what did you hear and what happened? And, and, and we had trouble kind of articulating what had just happened, but, but our lives just kind of drifted into different places. We got into to high school and then into college. We just kind of lost contact with each other. Well, about three weeks ago when I was back in Oklahoma, I was, I actually was invited to preach at my home church. And, and so it was the night before that huge ice storm came through Oklahoma and Texas and everything. And this blizzard was coming in and everybody was freaking out. And I just put on Facebook, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be preaching um, at Cameron Baptist Church on this day and uh, love to see anybody out there. Guess who showed up? I hadn't seen JC in 39 years. 
at the end of the service. And I told my story. August 28th, 1982, I heard the gospel and repented and believed. Preached the gospel. Could, I, mean, I, I have nothing original, so I just preached the gospel, right? So, so he heard me tell the whole story of what happened that night. And here he comes down the aisle with another one of my friends. We have a picture. We took a picture at the end of that. So I'm, again, I'm the good-looking one on the right. And... Um, and that's Tony on the left. He was our elementary school quarterback, fastest guy on the team. And then JC, they came that day to hear me preach the gospel. And the reason I tell you that story is every time the gospel is preached, it requires a response. I'm not quite sure what your response is today. You may be seated next to somebody that this is gonna be the day and the hour, the moment when they repent and believe and their life is gonna be different forever. What about you? Do you repent and believe every time you hear the gospel? Has it so radically changed your life that it's not just something you keep compartmentalized on a Sunday, but it actually has implications on Tuesday afternoon at 335? Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. You cannot claim to believe Jesus is risen if you have not surrendered to Jesus as king. So I want you to bow your heads right now here for a moment as we wrap up. Is Jesus your king? are you living your life? Not on Sunday when you're all polished up and cleaned up and spiffied up and you, you, you know, you're on your best behavior here at church. How does that truth impact you every other day of the week? If you'd honestly say, man, I, I think I've heard the benefits of the gospel, but I don't know if I've ever really responded to the gospel. Can I remind you? God is holy. He's not like you. You are sinful. Christ is Savior, the only one who can save you. Repent and believe. To repent means turn, change. Turn your back on your old way of life. Turn your back on sin and self and follow Christ the rest of your life. Some of you have played around with that idea. Some of you are weighing like, man, I might lose friends. And I, I don't know if I could, like, I'd have to clean up my language. And I, l listen, Christ will do all of that for you. If you are truly transformed by the truth that he's alive and he wants to live inside of you and live his life out through you, he'll change the way you think. He'll change the way you feel, and He will certainly change the way you behave. Surrender to Him as King. Do that right now. And it's going to have implications for your marriage. It's going to have implications for your money. It's going to have implications for your sexuality. It's going to have implications for your worship and what you do with your time and who you spend your time with. Father, thank you for the truth of your word that is unstoppable and it's come here today. It's penetrated our hearts and our ears. 
I pray that it would go beyond the surface. Lord, we do not want to be guilty of giving passive approval to things that are so transformational in our lives. I pray for someone here today who maybe today is their day like my day was August 28th, 1982. Would you, would you make it real? Would you activate faith? Would you regenerate the dead heart that needs a Savior? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.